Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. What's happening, bud? Not much, man. Not much. Nice, same old, same old. Nice quiet week? No, they're never quiet weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only hoping. I'm only hoping. I got my lottery tickets. I did, too. $70 million. Well, I'll share. If I get it, I'll, I'll let you have some of mine. If I win, I will <laughs> let you see the back of my head as I leave. <laughs> Vapor, I'm out of here. That's what, that's what I say. I says, no one's going to know I won. I'm just going to disappear one yeah. day. Where's Sean? Does he not yeah. work here anymore? Whatever happened to that guy, Sean? He just disappeared. What happened to the podcast? America's, America's most wanted. <laughs> Where'd he go? <laughs> Would you be the richest podcaster? I probably, you know what? I, that's that's exactly what I still Just do. This and I do other stuff. You know, you know how many boats I would own? I'd have a <laughs> boat building just to store my boats. Yeah, <laughs> canoes, kayaks, stand up paddle board. You, you name it, man. I'd have funky <laughs> stuff. I'd have all different types of stuff. Yeah. Be all paddle. I have one for every day of the year. There you go. Plus leap years. <laughs> Got to count that extra day, buddy. That's just yeah. an extra day of paddling. <laughs> and I would be hitting up like. I would have that wall map up there with darts. Yeah. And, well, where do you want to go this week? There we go. Apparently, that's where we're going this week. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, that'd be 70 million. Mm. It would be wonderful. You could just throw that in the bank and live off the, oh, the interest. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Like, you you wouldn't need much to, like, you'd only, ha- you'd only need to live off interest. You wouldn't need much. Three million? You could live off the interest, I think? I don't know. What is- I don't know. It doesn't go as much. We did the yeah. whole... Thing. We talked about this before we did the whole, if I won a million dollars, I would give some to this person, some to that person. Some oh, to then that it's person. gone pretty And then, you quick. know what? No, no, no. Go back, <laughs> pay off your house, pay yeah. off your debts, pay off this, buy yourself and your wife a new vehicle. Mm-hmm. What do you got left? Coffee money. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. right? million don't go as far as it did no. back in the 70s no. or 80s. But if you, you know? can be debt free and you don't gain new debt and you can live smartly on what's left over. Well, if then you again, you got to think that. of this too. Like with mortgage rates this low, do you want to pay off the mortgage or do you want to gain interest on the money that you have? Because you probably, the offset difference, like uh, there's so many ways to invest it. Yeah. You probably gain more interest of it in savings than you would be uh, saving by paying off your mortgage. I just pay my mortgage off to be, <laughs> I mean, we only have a couple of years left yeah. anyway. So I'd be like, you know what? I'm done with you. See you. Bye. I'd become a slumlord. Would you? I'd buy some crappy buildings and rent it to people. That'd be awesome, eh? <laughs> I could come and visit you in prison. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Derek's, what are you doing? Derek. Uh Saturday I'm gonna go visit Derek in the in the slammer. Yeah. <laughs> Try to smuggle another cake with a file in it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I would do I would just I would nonstop travel and paddle. Oh, you'd have to. That's all with seventy million dollars? Mm-hmm. Wow. So how are your kids? Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Haven't seen them in years. Somebody mentioned something to me once and I I thought, oh, I never thought of that. So, and apparently it it is a popular thing to do. But uh, if you are independently wealthy and you're retired, you uh, get yourself a cabin on a cruise ship. There's oh, medical staff. There's, yeah. there's, everything is catered. Everything you don't have to do. It's like being in a in a retirement home, but, but cheaper. You, but cheaper, and you get to move around and all over the place. Yeah, I, maybe I'll buy my own cruise yeah. ship. So you just you just 
booked like you know fifty two yeah. cruises. Yeah, <laughs> every year. That'd be and somewhere different all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you fish off a cruise ship? I don't know how you'd land it if it was big. Carefully. <laughs> <laughs> big net. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Yep. I'd do that. I'd be off the and, back. Somebody, and I think what, it what would be doing? cheaper than a retirement home. Apparently it is. But you, they'd, they'd have all the medical staff on board that you'd need. and All you can eat. Yeah. All you can eat. You can be, I see. That's the problem is I always said if I go on a cruise. Because hmm. I know I know Tracy had been talking. They, some of her friends were doing the their vacations. They were booking themselves to work on cruise lines with different agencies. Oh, okay. So there was... As explained to me, and this was a few years back, there's three shifts. Shift one, you're in the office. Shift two, you're on call, but you have to be on board. So if you're in port, you can't go into into the town. Or you have to yeah. stay on board, right? Mm-hmm. And the third shift, you're you're off. So if you are, you can just, you're only in if, if, if like all of a sudden something bad happens and they yeah. get all hands on deck sort of thing. And you have to pay for your spouse's flight i guess from home to wherever the ship is oh to join the ship type thing but they they get because you're sharing their room or they're Mm -hmm. sharing your room yes right man i would line my butt up in a chair with wheels on it in front of that all you can eat buffet (laughs) and i would just gain a pound or 40 (laughs) how was your trip Uh, had a bellyache every day i think you grow tired pretty quickly of eating too much like, I would think I would, like, eventually... You know, with negativity like that, I think you could just take this headphones off, turn your mic off, and leave. <laughs> but you'd want to enjoy your day. You don't want to be all, all bloated. Well, and... you wouldn't be eating nonstop because you'd have to go to the bar at some point. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I'm on my sixth pina colada. I'm so bloated. <laughs> but you know what? Like, I mean, we are just talking about Dimpna and James being down in Antarctica there yeah. doing the guy and stuff like that and like i wouldn't want to come home oh i know right yeah no 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 you guys just leave give me a tent and i'll just hang out till the next (laughs) cruise ship comes by (laughs) (laughs) just transfer me as we're heading back to port and another one's coming by just get close enough transfer me over (laughs) there's no predators down antarctica is there killer whales yeah but yeah look out in your tent for one of those you never know. <laughs> things happen. Weird things happen. Have you met but me? Like polar bears are only up north. Uh-huh. Penguins. Penguins are only down south. You could get trampled by a herd of penguins. Herd stampede of penguins. <laughs> yeah. See? Yeah. Things could happen. Mm-hmm. I remember Derek. Oh, he's a nice guy. Right up until the penguins Penguin got stampede. him. Penguin <laughs> stampede. Penguin stampede. <laughs> what happened to Derek? Ooh, we don't talk about it. It, <laughs> it would be a slow horrific. stampede. It's, it's, like, it's like being slowly run over by a steamroller. <laughs> he was or... ran over, flapped to death, and pecked to death. <laughs> it was horrible. It took him three weeks to die. <laughs> Humanity. <laughs> the humanity. <laughs> oh, man. No, I'd love to win that money, man, because, yeah, I'd be everywhere. I would just, like, like I say, I'd be, like, I don't even know that. I'd, I'd own a house yeah. just to hold my stuff. Remember the old George yeah. Carlin thing? All the, you really, a house is just to hold your stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, a suitcase is just 
smaller version of your stuff. Of your house, yeah. Right? Smaller version of, yeah. Yeah, I, I would just, I'd probably end up sto- throwing stuff into a storage locker. Yeah. Because, I mean, think about it. If you ever decide to hang up the, the paddles, you got enough money, just go buy a new house. Yeah. Take everything out of storage. Yeah. Why keep the old house? Unless you're renting it out to somebody. Yeah. And then when you come back, you kick them out. <laughs> go to Antarctic. <laughs> Trust me. It's great. Say hi yeah. to the penguins. <laughs> uh you got a new toy i did i so i i've i've had uh similar things before but this one here is uh so it's a stick stove but it's also an alcohol burning stove so like you know like alcohol i thought it was just a coffee cup yeah so it comes with a it's a goshawk it's from australia and I had been looking at these for a while, and you know, there's I, I'm on a couple stick stove things on Facebook and whatever, and I see everybody using them, and and I've had stick stoves in the past, and and uh, but what I liked about this one is it's got the little uh, it's got the little pot inside where you can just put like an ounce or two of alcohol in a burn, depending on how long you want it to burn for. You put that much alcohol in it, right? Mm-hmm. And then it burns fairly clean. You don't start blacking your pots like normal. Because so, you absolutely hate that. I do. Is it titanium? It is. Oh, super light. Oh, yeah. There's a little, Yeah, and, what's that, about five inches tall? Yeah, it's about five inches tall. It's uh, It looks like it would hold a Nalgene bottle. It would fit right inside it. But yeah, when I left the house today, I dropped it on the driveway <laughs> on the way here. So it's got its first dent already. That's why we can't have nice things, Derek. I know, right? So Scratching I'm canoes. About this. And... So there's a, there's a couple North American ones that uh, are built similar, but this one uh, I just saw a lot of... But it was it was super cheap. I got it from Australia, and it's uh, it shipped very. They must come by plane, right? They must ship a lot of stuff by plane these days. Yeah, I think I think ever since COVID happened and all the shipping, everybody's ordering stuff online constantly. I'm thinking the world shipping it's resources have gotten yeah, they've a lot gotten of planes, so much better. A lot of planes, very efficient. Yeah. You know, I'm so excited. I can either use it as a stick stove or as an alcohol burning stove, and. Uh, with the rules, like, you know, during fire bans, if I have a lid so I can immediately douse it or extinguish mm-hmm. it, then that we, this would be permitted during uh, fire bans. So, yeah, it's, uh, I'm excited. Have to, yeah, because that looks like the top, just like of the top of an old aerosol can. Yeah, exactly. Like a, like a spray like a can, a spray paint can, can or a spray can, yeah. Yeah. That's about that size. Yeah. And uh, so, and if you look inside, you can see the uh, there's little pathways and, and vent holes to help it burn. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Hmm. Have to take a picture of that before you go. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So I'm I'm excited. It's uh, I've seen I've seen people use them and and uh, I've seen you know that you see people make the uh, the Coke can stove. Yeah, the little hobo stoves, stoves and that. Yeah, yeah. Well, so this would be like a little Coke can hobo stove type mm-hmm. thing, but uh, a little bit fancier. Well, I'll have to try it out before you take it out on a tour. And yeah, so this is uh this is what I'm going to use this summer for uh, cooking and camping. Just need to bring a bottle of alcohol and. Like that's a problem. <laughs> well, I don't Sorry, was that my outside voice? <laughs> I don't think vodka would work in this. <laughs> you don't know until you try. Like I say, with that kind of that negative attitude, mister. You <laughs> out of here. There's a lot of negativity flowing from the other side but of that it's, table. It's super light. Yeah, that's... That's so it's titanium. Uh, yeah. Is that 20... And prices of titanium stuff has come way down. This was like... Uh, I think I paid like 70 bucks Australian or something. So it's about that what, 650, 700 mils to the tippy top. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, 750 mil. Mm-hmm. 
So, Goshawk. Yeah. Huh. Cool. Yeah. Compact. Comes with its own little carry case. Be interesting to see how that works for you. Yeah, me too. It seems to be the rage now with the twig stoves. Yeah, so, yeah, I've seen a lot more people use them. And I, like I said, I've had them before, but again, I'm I'm a, I'm a weenie and uh, I hate my pots getting black. But this one here, if you cook with alcohol, you're not going to be blacking in your stove. There you be. Let mm-hmm. us know how it goes. I will. Uh, anything else new? No, not really. No, not really. I own two houses right now. Can I, can I get a loan for you, Mr. Rich Guy? <laughs> no, it's not a rich guy. <laughs> Definitely not a rich guy. Yeah, I'm just in between. I'm moving right now, so I'm. it was weird because this was at the new house, and so I left one house, went to the other house, picked this up, and then came here. <laughs> You're just everywhere, man. So the uh, the new people, they take over the house in, uh, in two weeks, so I have two weeks to get all my crap into the new house. Uh, you know, being in the military growing up, like that's the one thing we didn't have to worry about. They had packers come in and yep, pack everything. Yep. Movers come in and move everything. Been there, done that. <laughs> so easy. <laughs> yeah, you just point yeah. them in the direction and yeah. pack everything up. Awesome. Yeah, it was weird. They like I don't think you do. Can you pay people to pack stuff these days? Or I guess it's an extra. I yeah, I remember just standing there and watching all these like six or eight guys who come into the house. They packed my house up and and then uh, just show up at their end and they drop everything off and unpack my stuff. And then take all the packing materials away. Oh, do they really? I don't yeah. think we, they ever unpacked for us. They unpacked for us. Like, we we did specify some boxes are not to be pa- uh, packed for unpacked, like clothes and delicates and stuff like that. I have delicates. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, when I when I moved a couple times when I was in the Navy, and uh, and so yeah, they just, they just move you. Yeah. It was awesome. They even moved vehicles. Well, you we only ever had the one to take, so. Yeah, so I had a truck that they moved for me. So I had a car and a truck. They moved the truck. So, yeah. yeah. Pretty cool. It is. Yeah. So let us know how that works for you. I will definitely do that. Um, get any alcohol? We can get it running right now. Ooh, as a matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> so I came across, of course, everybody's now putting out their, they're doing this race, they're doing that race, and blah, 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 blah. All these races are coming up. This one caught my eye. Kanduskeg Steam Stream Canoe Race. Kanduskeg. You said it right. I think you said it right. I don't know. I, I don't know. I had it, a check. That's that's how I, my phonetic spelling says it's supposed to be. <laughs> Hooked on phonics. <laughs> After two years of either canceled or minimized races due to COVID-19 pandemic, the race is back on for the 55th edition, Saturday, April 16th. And that's coming up. Mm-hmm. It says we're totally back to normal. Uh, this is down in Bangor, Maine. 16 and a half mile race. Says the uh, race is still weeks away, but registrations are already being accepted both online and at the Bangor parks and rec offices. Once they are, uh, once again, they're placing a focus on pre-registration. And this is, this is, I like this because I hate standing in lines. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going somewhere, go over there, take your information. <laughs> yes. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. And get yeah. this. And then when you're done that, you got to go over there. And do- it is a pain in the butt. <sighs> So they're doing the pre-registration and providing race materials in advance. Now, Tracy does some of these marathons and walks things, right? And they do that. You you do it online and then you get a box in the mail yeah. with all your gear. 
your, your bib number and all yep. that sort of stuff. So that's what they do. Uh, Debbie Gendro, assistant director for the Bangor Parks and Rec Department, uh, and she's the director for the race. Last year, because of COVID, we changed it where we put everybody in our canoe race system the week prior, and then we had their bibs ready the whole last week so they could come by and pick up the bibs and their boat numbers. That alleviated the usual starting area log jam, since most participants already had their numbers and could arrive only a few minutes prior to their scheduled starting times. I, I guess they got to do they do it. Staggered. Mm-hmm. Yes. Starting time. Yeah, not a gunshot start. Yeah, I'll, I'll get into why in a second. Uh, it was just such a great process for us, and the boaters were so appreciative. So last year, uh, they were going to tone it down a bit. Originally, organizers planned to allow 310 paddlers, but, change, but a change in Maine's pandemic protocols enabled them to add folks who were on the waiting list. The field wound up consisting of 220 boats, 423 paddlers for a race. It wound it up? It wound up. Did I say wound it? <laughs> yes. Well, it did. It wound it up. <laughs> Hooked on phonics. <laughs> oh, don't pick my Englisher. I speak Englisher gooder than you speak English. <laughs> uh, the, the field wound it up consisting <laughs> of 220 boats, 423 paddlers. 180 paddlers have already signed up this year. They hope to attract upwards <laughs> of 800 paddlers. That's incredible. For the race this year. 800. Yeah. And the next line is really kind of makes it all sink in what they're doing. Uh, last year, we had to limit the numbers of watercrafts and paddlers because COVID and had to stagger the race start. We're not doing that this year. So it's like <laughs> a big crash of bodies. Go, go, go. And if you're figuring, well, 800 paddlers, we'll call it, we'll just call it 400 boats. It'll be more. Yeah. Because not everybody's. It's going to be some solo paddlers. Right. So call it 450 boats. Yeah. <laughs> I am hurt. Get set. <laughs> and there was chaos. Yeah. And there. Oh, man. Like, I mean, that's just. I, I'd like to be there just to see the start. I would like a bird. <laughs> like, I would love to have a drone. Yeah. If somebody's oh, down that there make an and amazing they get video? awesome 4K drone footage of yeah. the carnage, <laughs> I want to see it. Please send it to me. Anybody that's going down to Bangor, Maine, send me video of the carnage. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be awesome. Awesome, I tell you. So yeah, if you if you want to hit the uh, Kanduskeg uh, Steam Canoe Race uh, for 55th edition Saturday, April 16th, register now. Yep, and got a couple it. weeks left to register. Yeah, and then uh, I think they didn't they say that they're going to be taking registries right up to race start. I thought they said I read, um, some, I read something. Yeah, else. you can you can get up until race time, but the the long the longer you wait, like it's forty five bucks the now. You're going to need to get the package of the bib and stuff. In yeah, the mail and so it's seventy or forty five bucks if you do it early, and the longer you wait, it ends up going to like if you're yeah. there the race day, it's seventy five yeah. bucks a person. Yeah, sort of thing. So it only behooves you to save a, a, a couple bucks and in your own pocket. Went from messing up 
wounded to using a fanciful word like behooves. Behooves. <laughs> it behooves you not to wound it up in that spot. <laughs> Don't make me come over to that table, mister. Your negativity is affecting me today. <laughs> Alrighty. So this one caught me. Um, everybody talks about pa- uh, boats. Making mm-hmm. making boats, making boats, yeah, canoes, yeah, yeah. Canoes, yeah. canoes, canoes, kayaks, cedar strip, blah, 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 blah. Everybody wants to make them. In 2019, artist, wood, metal, leather worker, historian, and sort of retired teacher, Mark Blieski. I apologize if that's not how he says his name, but it seems like it to It me. seems like right. Uh, he made a canoe paddle every week for a year. That's incredible. One paddle a week for a year. 52 paddles. He'd be pretty darn good of it by the end of the year, right? You'd be... Uh... If not, he's... <laughs> if you can't get good at making a canoe paddle by doing 52 of them within a year... I know. There's an issue. <laughs> the 52 paddles were on display at Festival de Voyageur in 2020, where he regularly demonstrates his skills... The only thing he enjoys more than making canoe paddles is helping others make paddles, and he credits indigenous designers for the canoe paddle. Uh, they give a little background here. He taught for 36 years at Selkirk and Lockport Junior Highs. This is uh, just north of uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Yeah. Both towns are right along the Red River, uh, north of Winnipeg. During his tenure as an industrial arts teacher, I don't that like to us that. Industrial arts. That would have been um, uh, not home ec. What's the shop class? Yeah, yeah. I guess they just give it a fancy name now. Yeah. Industrial arts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he took students on two to three extracurricular canoe trips per year. Totally eight, 86 canoe trips over the course of his tenure as a teacher. Talk about getting an excuse. To go on canoe trips. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. How can I make the yeah. most? Oh, that's exactly. an idea. In preparation for the five to nine day trips, the students had to earn the right to go on the trips by making their own paddle. So you'd make your paddle and that's what you have to paddle with on the... <laughs> exactly. Uh, one of his former students attested to the success of the canoe trips in response to an outdoor education survey, saying, when I was 14, 15 years old, I was unsure of myself. Seemingly mundane things like paddling a canoe across a lake, figuring out the best place to set up a tent, or just cooking your own meals do wonders for an adolescence. Absolutely. And I'm, Kevin Callan is big on this, mm-hmm. this sort of thing. He thinks I mean, he does the... He does the um, kids with at risk kids at risk. Stuff, yeah. I, I couldn't remember what at risk. Yeah, the at risk students. He does. He works with them. Takes them out. They have a blast. Uh, yeah, any kids that are out there, you know. And if you can take students out, I know my son went out in grade twelve. I think it was. He yeah. did an outdoor thing up uh, uh, a week a week up in uh, Algonquin there and had a blast. Retirement did not stop uh, Blieski from his involvement with schools and teaching others how to make canoe paddles. He's worked with the Winnipeg police organizing paddle-making workshops in the inner city, and he's conducted paddle-making workshops all across Canada. So there's this guy named David Gamble. He's a consultant for the Pembina 
Trails School Division in the area, and he was looking for inventive ideas to incorporate across the division, and he stumbled upon Blieski and his paddle work. So he invited them to conduct a paddle-making workshop as professional development for all teachers who uh, across the, the division who wanted to take the project back to their home schools and teach students the craft of paddle-making. That's pretty brilliant, eh? Right? Well, you figure, oh, who's going to want to do that? Well, a lot of people. A would. lot of people. He says, if I teach the kids to make paddles, that is great. But if I teach the teachers, then the program lives on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the three years since the inception of this paddle program, he has trained 36 teachers so far. And there's another 12 planned for April, this April. The classes are small with only 12 teachers. They learn by doing. So it's like, he's not going to show you how to make one. He's going to go, okay, here's your wood. Here's your tools. Here's how you make one. Start carving. The teachers also learn about the different designs of paddles for different purposes, the historical importance of canoes for trade, and the significance of waterways as North America's highways. So he also incorporates history into this, which again then goes back to the students, and they learn the history of it as well. The program has been very successful at Vincent Massey Collegiate, where more than 350 students have completed the unit as part of their outdoor education program. Blaeski hopes to offer the paddle-making program to other schools in the division as well. 350 of them at one school alone. Isn't that something? That's me. Yeah, that's amazing. Like yeah. I say, everybody wants. Oh, I want to make a canoe. I want to make a canoe. But I mean, when you're talking about a school, like okay, well, you're going to get all the kids work. I think unless they're a student that is really gung ho on it, I think a lot of students just you're not going to get a lot of hands on time making a canoe with you know twenty people in the class sort of thing. So giving everybody a piece of wood and saying here's how. You can uh, do the paddle, and you get to make an entire one your own that you get to take home. I think that engages the students more. And the fact that they give history behind it while they're learning how to do it, yeah, awesome. Uh-huh. Awesome. So, yeah, 52 paddles eh, in <laughs> one year. Where do you store them all? <laughs> <laughs> paddle barn? <laughs> uh, what next here? Outdoor life. It has... So the, um, was this the magazine or online article? Was it in the magazine? No, it was on an online article, Outdoor Life. They have come up with their top five, their best fishing canoes, which I kind of, meh, I think it's kind of hokey, <laughs> but because uh, honestly, you just. Well, they do cover and, a spectrum from sit on top kayaks and and uh, the mixture of uh, like the the design that sits between a kayak and a canoe and so yeah. it, it uh like it really like what it comes down to is sure there's five sort of five different kinds but it really comes down to preference cash how much weight you want well to i mean i went through this and i'm looking at what they're they're considering the best fishing canoe and i'm yeah. thinking Mine's got a big open top. I cast my rod out. Yeah. I haul the fish in. It's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) However, uh, things to consider. This is one person's opinion. This is, yeah, this is the magazine's opinion, putting it out there so people can read it. Um, I just make fun. 
Uh, things to consider before buying a fishing canoe. Fishing canoes aren't as popular as sit-on-top kayaks, but anglers looking to pack camping gear, load the family, pack, uh, paddle backwaters will find a canoe that had more ca- uh, capability when it comes to these criteria. Regardless of your fishing endeavors, you'll want to consider these factors when choosing the best fishing canoe for your needs. Yeah. Stability. That, I think, is it's listed first. It's the most important. It is because when you're fighting a fish... Yeah, trying to land a fish like you. I, you don't you, want to tip. Yeah, you you've seen. I've seen lots of videos where somebody's like uh, down in Florida and they're you know trying to keep the fish out of the crocodile's mouth. He wants. He wants some stability. Yeah, <laughs> unless you want to be in the crocodile's mouth. <laughs> Capacity with a wide open deck from stern to bow. A canoe has plenty of space to store tackle, hunting gear, camping equipment. Design also increases capacity, so a canoe can carry more weight than a roto-molded kayak. Uh, add a second seat, and a canoe has room for another angler. No, no, that's not another angler. That's the person that holds the net. So you can add get your fishing. Add a second seat, add a canoe, has room for another angler, a couple kids, and a pet. That's a big seat. You're really loading up that's there. That's a big seat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, weight. A canoe's biggest advantage is minimal weight. Absolutely. Canoes use less material than most sit-on-top fishing kayaks, making them lighter without sacrificing storage capacity. Not only does the lightweight make transporting the canoe easier, it's also possible to carry one overland to reach distant fishing holes. Because if you've tried to portage a kayak without, like, a kayak or something like that, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I know. I don't carry my kayak tons, but the there's a couple points where I've had to carry it I don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have to. I ain't going to do it. Durability. Most fishing kayaks are made of rotomotored or thermoformed plastic. These materials are tough, but not as durable as the advanced materials used to make a canoe. And they're things like um, carbon Kevlar and stuff like that. Yes. Accessories. Canoes for fishing come with accessories to make rigging easy. Wider thwarts and gunnels allow angler to install rod holders. Uh, Look for space behind the seat to add gear crate with vertical rod holders. That's something I've never done. What? Rod holders? Rod holders. Yeah. Um, Usually what I will do is I will just lean my rod up against the side and my foot. Yeah. uh, When I did the... uh I did it that way. My dad did it that way. My granddad did it that way. And I'm pretty sure my great granddad did it that way. <laughs> That's why I always, how I always did it. But uh, I, I did go fishing. I did a uh, a fishing, I don't know, what is it a course? A tra- I went with John Bablock. He uh, oh, showed yes. me how to, you know, how to read the bottom and how to read uh, signs and how to find the places for fishing. He showed me how to tie flies and stuff like that. There's a whole bunch of stuff that John did. And uh, he had. Uh, yeah, various different kinds of uh, rod holders. Just because you're, you know, the the rod sitting there in the holder, you give gives you a chance to, uh, you know, tie a new uh, lure on or bait a hook or whatever you're mm-hmm. doing, right? So it, uh, and he had a couple of them, so a couple of different versions. So it, uh, it, it, I, I thought if I'm going to end up doing a lot of fishing, I would, uh, I would do that. You know, put yeah, rod holders. Well, I mean, I've got some somewhere. In the garage. Mm-hmm. I think they're old aluminum crappy tire. Yeah. Ones that have a little screw thingy that fits on onto your, your yeah. thwart sort of thing. And then you just, it's red. <laughs> you could probably kill somebody with it. I don't know. When, uh, when 
we did the Burt Reynolds trip. We did the shoot. Was it the Sam River, Sturgeon River? Where'd we go? Noir, Des Moines. So it was uh, Ontario. Anyways, we were we, Burt Reynolds trip. We went. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the river. I think it was Sam River. I don't know. Anyways, we were on a river. <laughs> Good thing. So we were circling around at the at the bottom of a waterfall. We had uh, so we had dropped in underneath. That we were just doing some fishing at the base of the waterfall, and so me and Mike were casting, and in the other boat was Scott and Martin, and they were casting. And and Martin, I don't know what he was doing at the time, but he had rested his the rod against the across both gunnels and he was tying on he he had it oh he was trying to position the canoe so that he could uh, drop the hook off of a drop off so he had put the rod down and he was just just about to start the maneuver and i just heard him curse and there's a flurry of movement i look over and uh he's got a paddle both hands on the paddle and he's just staring (laughs) apparently a fish had just Hooked. He wasn't moving at the time. He was just start, starting to move the canoe, and it seems like a fish had uh, bit onto the uh, the lure and took the entire rod over the side. Oh, never put it straight across <laughs> the gunnels. It was never. He said it just it just disappeared. Like somebody just grabbed it out of his hand. So bleep, and it was gone. And so we paddled back and forth, looking at the bottom and trying to see if we could figure out where it is. And no, we couldn't find it. I think he said he paid two or three hundred bucks for the rod. And <laughs> it's like, oh, I felt bad for him. And and so he, he was grumpy enough that he didn't care that he didn't fish for the rest of the trip. <laughs> <laughs> he did wow. bore he did bore a fishing rod occasionally for that ship, I think I remember. But yeah, he was uh he was a little ticked off. I would have been too. Like uh, it was yeah. like Hey, I caught a fish, but the fish took the rod. No pictures, no proof, Martin. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he said he had just, I think he said he had just bought the rod before the trip. Ouch. It was, it was, I recall it was a nice looking fishing rod. There used to be, do you remember the place up uh, North Toronto in Richmond Hill called LeBaron's? Yes, been there. I used to go there all the time, just yeah. drool over all the fishing gear yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I remember going there and buying my first fly rod okay my first new to me because we always had those old cheap mitchell shakespeare canadian tire specials yeah but my first good rod and real combo and the whole meal deal and it's like oh and then it's just like a canoe Oh man, I scratched the side of it or i got (laughs) dirt in it and i gotta take this pool out and i gotta (laughs) clean it out and Sitting there with the uh, uh, Vaseline inside, getting make sure everything was all greased up nicely, yeah, yeah. so everything was spin smoothly. Yeah, and, yeah. smooth and silent. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so they got the five ones. We'll just go through these quickly. He, sort of quickly, anyway. The best fishing canoe overall is the Old Town Sportsman Discovery Solo. Fifty, and these are there's key features. 56 pounds. Dimensions are 11 feet, 9 inches long, 32 and a half inches wide. And it's made of three-layer polyethylene. Yeah. The Old Town Sportsman Discovery Solo has everything you want in a fishing canoe. Lightweight, high-capacity storage. It's easy to paddle and it's ready to fish. And actually, that's one of the things. You have to have a boat that's easy to handle. Because there's times yeah. where you've got the rod in one hand 
And you're trying to, and you got yeah. the paddle in the other, and you're trying to move, yeah. or you're trying to paddle quickly to turn and then reel, grab yeah. your rod and reel, then grab the paddle and yeah. paddle. So paddling is definitely a, it's a delicate balance. Yeah. Pros, comfortable seat, rod holders, gear tracks. Oh, gear tracks would be good. Mm-hmm. Cons, only available in single seat model. Well, it is a solo I don't boat. see why that's a con. I don't either. There's nobody there to disturb your fishing. I know, right? And you don't have to bring the wife. And you don't have to say, hey, do you want to fish over that spot? And you don't do you have to show next? anybody yeah. your secret fishing hole. Ooh, there you go. I do not consider that a con at all. No. Nope. I would move that up into the pro column. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so it's a, it's a lightweight, smallish, mm-hmm. almost 12 feet. It's plastic. Yeah. It's a nice, yeah. A hybrid between a canoe and a kayak. It has the best features of both platforms from the canoe side of the family. It has an open cockpit, 56-pound weight, 354-pound capacity. On the kayak side, it has a single seat, foot braces to paddle with uh, a double-bladed kayak paddle. Yeah, so it's, it's an open... Yeah, so it's like a hybrid sort of thing. Yeah. So that's the one they say is their top. Mm-hmm. Best inflatable canoe for fishing. Now, so I, when I was reading your list, I'm thinking, do I want to go fishing with an inflatable boat? Uh, I'm going to be hooking that nowadays, sucker. if they know, if they're, if, if they're. I suppose they're tough, pretty tough. If they're promoting this as a fishing boat, mm-hmm. you know it's going to be. It's probably hook. multi-layer. Multi-layer hook. Yeah. Resistant. Resistant. I'm not going to say proof because <laughs> have you met me? <laughs> that sounds like a challenge, I must say. <laughs> uh, weight 45 pounds, 10 foot 6 lo- inches long, 38 and a half inches wide, multi-layered PVC. Why did it make the cut? Combined straight, a great performance, solid construction, smart fishing features and the inflatable design and carry case make it easy to pack or transport. And that's a big thing as well as especially for people that have small places. If you can inflate it, mm-hmm. put it in back of your car yeah, yes. you know, or on your yeah. back bike. And, and that's, that's ideal for transportation and stuff like yeah. that. Pros packs into a carry case, drop stitch floors, Multiple air chambers, which if you pop one. If you put a hook in one of them, yeah, there's still other chambers. You still got there. others to keep you going to get to shore. <laughs> yeah. Or what if a shark bites it? There you go. Uh, aluminum accessory mounts and hull inserts. Cons too small for long distance paddling. So this is a day a day boat. You're not going backcountry canoe tripping up the Yukon in this thing. Does it talk about maneuverability? Uh, not really. Um, it says, I've tested tons of inflatable canoes, kayaks, stand-up paddle boards, and the biggest factor that affects performance is rigidity. This one uses three air chambers to increase rigidity. Two low-pressure air chambers create the gunnels, and the third drop stitch panel creates the floor. Drop stitch chambers allow the user to inflate the paddle to a higher air pressure for further increased stiffness. I know a lot of them aren't all that big on... Um, if you're going straight down a lake sort of thing. 
Tracking, tracking, yeah. yeah, like they're not that. I mean, they're they're okay stability as mm-hmm. if you're sitting the bottom of it, sort of thing. Yeah, you know, but uh, you're not going to be standing in something like this. Chances are, no, not not this one. Yeah, and yeah, like I said, uh, the small boat packs into a duffel bag that's easy to roll or carry. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's the big one, right? It's there. only forty five pounds. That's not too bad. Not too bad at all. Best square stern canoe, the Eskif. Heron. And see, that's one thing I've never... And I've, you see the old ones back in the day. They would put the little motor on the back for fishing or whatever. Yes. <laughs> um, that's one thing I don't think I, I it appeals to me at all. Unless I'm way up north on, like, heading out onto James Bay or something. Yeah. Like, one of their big ones that has the... Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, the flat yeah. back, and you could have put a bigger motor on it. Mm-hmm. But just be tootling around the little local lake or yeah. something like that. With uh, It just, that has never appealed to me. Uh, weight, 69 pounds. It's 14 feet, 6 inches long, 38 and a half inches wide. And it's made of T4MAX. So it's getting bigger and heavier. And, and more, more durable. Mm-hmm. Incredible capacity, durable construction, and the option to use an outboard motor make the Heron the best square stern canoe. Pros are room for three. Cool webbed seats. I don't know how you can make webbed seats cool. (laughs) Uh, And available with ash wood gunnels. And I don't think I would ever get wood gunnels again just because I'm lazy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm not and honestly, s- I'm not going to say any revarnish <laughs> and oil and them. And anybody I know that has, oh, I'm going to go for the wood look. <laughs> Six or seven years in, mm-hmm. yeah, I should have just got the stupid aluminum. <laughs> uh, the con, and this is where you're you're starting to head up into this one, expensive. Yes, I mean that's just a given. When you start getting into stuff like this, you're you're getting expensive, right? Uh, we see it with the bigger, with the the Nova Crafts and the Swift and stuff like that. Um, you know, uh, you, yeah, the l- more lighter weight, the more sturdy. You know, you're you're looking at price, right? Mm-hmm. You can paddle square stern or power it with a small outboard motor. Uh, it's high quality canoe with the capacity of a skiff at 14 feet six inches long. It has room for three anglers, and with an 800-pound capacity, there's also space for tackle, camping gear, and hunting equipment. Stable platform. It's big. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I like I like the the size and everything. Like, and no one's ever happy about that kind of weight. No, uh, but the sturdy yeah. of the T Formex I like as well. But just taper that end for me, would you? Thanks, man. <laughs> Best stand-up fishing canoe. New Canoe Flint. I don't know that I've ever heard of the company, New Canoe. No, I have not heard. I N-U had to, I had to Google canoe. it. Yeah. I was looking at photos of the uh, of them, and so it's, uh, I think it's a new company on the, on the market. Well, and I can tell you right now by one of the key features is why I've never heard of it is because I've never really looked into this sort of thing. 63 pounds, 11 foot, 3 inches long, 33 inches wide, roto-molded plastic. That's a special. Typical Canadian Tire Sport. Sale or yeah. not, well, not necessarily sale, but uh, Costco. Yeah, it's the cheap ones. It's, yeah. uh, they're cheaply made. They're durable. They're they're practically bulletproof, mm-hmm. but they're heavy. And uh, and they, they don't have the prettiest design. It's not the prettiest plastic. It's it's just something. It's like a, like a cottage canoe or a cottage 
you know, kayak or whatever, right? Yeah, it's a, a kayak and canoe hybrid with a wide beam, flat deck, great stability for stand-up fishing. So if you're coming up to the, the re- if you're in the bass fishing, you're coming up yep. to the weeds and you can stand there and just stand boop, up boop, and boop, 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 wherever you want drops your lure. Yeah, perfect for that. Pros, rotomolded plastic, easy to rig, elevated seat, cons, heavy. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, 63 pounds isn't yeah. as heavy as... As the Eskif Heron, that's 69 pounds. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, this to me, yeah, it screams hanging around your lake and fishing sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do, 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 do the hybrid canoe combines the best of both worlds with canoe like capacity and the stability and performance of a kayak. Easy to paddle with a double bladed kayak paddle, uh, like a sit on top kayak has an elevated frame seat that's comfortable and convenient for stand-up fishing or sit-down paddling. Wide flat hull provides stability, while the open deck and EVA foam padding offers plenty of room for standing and fishing. So, yeah, this is this might be something you tie behind your boat. And then say, okay, I'll come back and get you later. <laughs> and you just drop somebody off there. Yeah. Best budget fishing canoe. And everybody's going, okay, this is for me. <laughs> just wait. Yes, just wait. <laughs> Key features: ninety-six pounds. That's a pig. This is the <laughs> lifetime Wasatch. Ninety-six pounds, thirteen feet long, thirteen feet long, thirty-nine inches wide. Blow molded polyethylene. Yeah. Uh, boasts a long list of features at a great price. I don't see them. Uh, rod holders, removable seat backs, includes a motor mount. Cons. Heavy. Heavy. <laughs> at almost 100 pounds. I know. Yeah. Would you like to carry the gear or would you like to carry the boat? I'll take oh, the gear. I'll take all the gear <laughs> in one go. Uh, if you're looking to take the family fishing on the weekends, and then sneak out for a quick paddle during the week. Uh, this is the perfect balance between family fun and solo fishing while breaking without breaking the bank. With three seats, the Wasatch has room for your spouse and kids, and only 13 feet long, the boat is easy for a single paddler to handle. Um, the blow mold of plastic hull keeps the price down and doesn't sacrifice durability. Hard damage, easy to fix. Wide flat bottom keeps the boat stable while the pronounced keel helps with straight line tracking. There you go. It's got a keel. But at the end track. of the day, uh, <laughs> there's a, a motor mount to add a 40 pound thrust trolling motor. Again, this sounds like something that'd be good to get into where the bass are. Um, <laughs> 96 pounds. Those days for me are long gone. <laughs> That's pretty heavy. That's got you know, some heft to it. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the ones that the outdoor life there is. Whoops. Um, best fishing canoe overall, the Old Town Sportsman Discovery Solo. Best inflatable canoe for fishing was the Advanced Elements Straight Edge Angler Pro. Best square stern canoe is the Eskif Heron. Uh, the best stand-up fishing canoe is the New Canoe Flint. And the best budget fishing canoe, the Lifetime Wasatch. Go check those out. Uh, they have a little fact here. Um, frequently asked questions. 
type of canoe is best for fishing. All canoes might look the same, but there are some features that are best for fishing. Typically, canoe under 13 feet that has wide, flat hull for stability. Uh, room for fishing accessories makes a good option for a fishing canoe. Okay, but so does like a 16-foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is a canoe or kayak better? A canoe and a kayak each have advantages and disadvantages for anglers, and it truly depends on your goals and needs. Fishing canoe typically runs lighter and has higher storage capacity and room for multiple anglers. Now, I will say, fishing in a kayak, not a sit-on-top, a regular, like a yep. sea kayak sort of yep. sort of thing, where you're in the cockpit. And mm-hmm. I'm not big on fishing from those. No, they're awkward. They're... You're, you're, you're 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 stuck in one position for a long time. You're not yeah. going to be able to tuck your feet under the seat. You're not going to be able to maneuver back and forth, and you know get some blood flowing back into your toes and whatever. Right? It's uh, the one pro, however, is you're not leaning over and down to no. pick that fish out of the water because you're already there. Yeah, <laughs> your butt is lower than the water. <laughs> that fish is just coming up three inches. It's yeah. not coming up, you know, like a, a foot and a half. <laughs> How much does a fishing canoe cost? Fishing canoes cost anywhere from under 1000 to over 2000 Of course, a smaller canoe made of single-layer plastic and fewer features cost less. A cheap canoe is heavier, less durable, more uncomfortable. The most expensive canoes are constructed of advanced materials that are tougher and lighter and extra fishing features and a comfortable seat to add to the price. So there are, so they give, they give uh, some final thoughts here. Uh, while all these options excelled in their own categories, the old town discovery solo does everything best. It has a smart design, lightweight, sturdy construction, excellent fishing features, Combining the best parts of canoe and kayak, the hybrid has a canoe's capacity and open space with a kayak's easy operation and comfortable seat. Add in gear tracks and tackle storage, and the Discovery Solo makes a great fishing canoe. So if you're into fishing canoes, and these are just fishing canoes, sounds like that's that's the one you want, the Old Town Discovery Solo. But if you want to do all the other stuff, mm-hmm. then don't specifically look for a fishing canoe. Yeah. I wonder if... Uh, Expand your search. I wonder if Old Town uh, paid this guy to write an article. <laughs> oh, probably not. <laughs> um, yeah. So do do your research, as as we always say. You know, do, find, just don't think, oh, I'm going to go out and get a canoe for fishing. Make sure you know that, you know, oh, yeah, there's other stuff I'm going to want to do with yeah. it too. But if that is indeed all you want to do, check out the Old Town Discovery Solo. I'm just going to quickly list one, and I can't remember what episode we talked about this. I left. Oh a, yes, I left a dash to fill in the episode number, and I never did. <laughs> Oops! Oh, there are holes in my research, Derek. Where are you to back me up? <laughs> Your negativity, Derek, is just astounding today. And I don't even. <laughs> <laughs> even if we looked at titles, I don't know that'd be that easy to find because it was just a small section. Segment no, no. Previous- uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure I put it in there. The Concrete Canoe Competition is uh, the first week of April. And the only reason I came across that is because one of the teams heading there was in a, there was a big accident and their vehicle got hit. Oh. And a good thing, or not really a good thing, but the positive thing is the boat they were carrying 
was just a practice concrete canoe, <laughs> not the one they'll actually be using in the oh. races. So they were able to make some uh, fixes to it, and I guess they're going to be able to use it to, to practice. But, uh, uh, yeah, do some Google in there and the concrete canoe competition. Check that one out. It uh, It's happening. Where's it happening? It's North, not North Carolina. I forget where they said it's happening this year. Oh, because there's usually the there's a big oh these are the nationals oh the nationals yeah, because I know yeah. it's big at uh, in in Quebec uh, oh it's big everywhere nowadays yeah. man but yeah yeah no these are the nationals down in the states okay. um, but the was that Laurentian Laurentian or something yeah, Laurentian, yeah. Laurier's yeah. one of the whatever it was they they won quite a few yeah in in uh, Quebec yeah well yeah that's the, the Canadian version because yeah. I don't think as many people realize how international uh, this is yeah. Uh, so yeah, Google that and you'll see that it's happening and follow it, uh, along this still a concrete canoe, still boggles, still boggles. So if you have a, and I'm going to bring mine up here. If you have a map of Central Park in New York, I, this one sort of tickles my fancy because a few years back, I do, um, I do light painting photography. Okay. Right. And so I like to go out and with different lights, paint with a open shutter on the camera just to get different effects. And then you close the camera, you develop the picture. Nowadays, you just look at the back and you see really cool looking designs. A few years back, <laughs> being the hoodlums that we are, uh, what is yeah. it, Camp 40? Camp 30. Camp 30. You're only 10 off. I was only 10 <laughs> off. Also, no, it's an old POW camp yeah. uh, here in Bowmanville, like close to your yeah. your house. We can walk to it. Uh, they they had uh, POWs there way back during World War II. So it was a, it was a boys' school. Then during when World War One, when that happened, uh, they turned... Was it World War One or was it World was War Two? Was World Yeah, yeah it was, I think it was World yeah. Anyways, they turned it into a prisoner of war camp. And so the higher the value of prisoner of war that you had, the further you wanted to get it away from the front. So prisoner of war camp in Bowenville tended to have very high value mm-hmm. prisoners. But it anyway. was all well mm-hmm. behaved and yeah, it was very apparently civil. they were cordial, the guards. Yeah, the, very civil. You know, because they know they're not just breaking out and running home to yeah. Germany because there's a big ocean between them. And yeah. Plus half a country. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so we went in there at one night. Uh, you're not supposed to, but there was they have a pool there. And we did some really cool photos in there. Yeah. Uh, and when we came out, there was, um, uh, I wouldn't say we really got chased, but... We got chased by cops. Well, yeah, and we ended up we ended up chatting with them and and then showed them the photography, and they were super impressed. Oh, that's yeah. some amazing photography you're doing that you're doing, and they were they were happy that we weren't there making we were uh, hooligans. doing hooligans and yeah. graffiti and all that. Even though one of my pictures was night at, it's called Night at the Graffiti Pool, and it's pretty cool. Um, but uh, so when I came across this story in the New Yorker, it just started like, oh my god, this is something we would have done. If we live closer to Central Park. Oh, right. So I didn't realize, I've never really paid attention to Central Park, but apparently there's like seven bodies of water. There's, 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 I don't know how many there are, but there's more than seven because they said that one of them was drained at the time. There's seven of them. I guess eight if you count the zoo or something like that. 
but yeah, one of them was, yeah, there's a couple little ones for the zoo. There was one that was drained. Um, and then, yeah, there's this river. There's a castle there. So it was almost like a, a, a lake in front of the castle, Belvedere yeah. Castle. And it's like, okay, uh, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, uh, reservoir. It's massive. I mean, this is like one, one, two, three, four, what, five New York blocks? Like big block would that be would those be big blocks or are the small ones the block? Which would make this like nine thousand blocks long. <laughs> so, anyway. So there's this article called The Secret Voyage Across the Seven Seas of Central Park. Uh two urban Shackletons braved the elements for a clandestine moonlit canoe excursion down each of the park's waterways from the Harlem Mere in the north to the pond on the south, dodging the police and Star Wars reenactors along <laughs> the way. I had to read it a couple of times. Uh, they said, what? <laughs> if you see something, say something, or so we're often told. Though on a recent moonlight night in Central Park, the sight of two men lifting Kevlar canoes over the iron fence around the reservoir seemed to concern no one. Joggers jogged, walkers walked. Neil King Tyler Maroney, self-styled urban rusticators, you want to talk about starting to use big words here, (laughs) scampered down a steep (laughs) embankment and pushed off into the... Uh, into what King later called the epicenter of emptiness for an illicit crossing of Manhattan's largest body of fresh water. A hundred yards in, they clapped paddles together in celebration. Twenty minutes later, they were high and dry again, heading south and portaging to the Turtle Pond in anticipation of an amphibious assault on Belvedere Castle. (laughs) So they decided... Uh, King uh, decided, he's a former Wall Street Journal reporter. He decided while he was uh, to walk home from Washington, D.C. to New York. And we've talked about that. We've talked about him before. And yeah, so this was a big long walk, but a section of his walk, he... uh, he met a woman, and uh, and she says, "Well, you know, my son has a kayak here that he doesn't use. Do you want to do a section of the of the river here?" And it was through a very urban industrial section. So he said he looked up at the time. I see he was paddling the kayak down, and there was like a giant Costco and a giant Target, and you know, factories and this, that, the other thing. So and he paddled this section going towards New York City. So this is his next endeavor, his mm-hmm. next adventure. So while, um, and actually he's, he's, he was working on a book about this walk that he did. Uh, and he's sort of planning, you know, we're in COVID and can't do this, can't do that. What can we do? And need some adventure, need some excitement sort of stuff. So he came up with his little, uh, he says during the, during the, the, Winter, he went through a polar phase, devouring stories about Antarctic exploration. And there was a little quote his wife said, okay, shut up about Shackleton already. (laughs) (laughs) I guess he was just getting too much with it, right? So he figured traversing what he calls the seven seas of Central Park from north to south. Uh, There's the Harlem Mere, the pool, west of North Meadow, the reservoir, the turtle pond, the lake, the conservatory water, and the pond across from the plaza. 
Uh, he said, oh, his uh, paddle partner, Maroney, a private investigator based in Los Angeles, he said, King says, not that Tyler is fourth on my dance card, but I floated it to a couple of people and they were like, no, I already spent one night in jail in New York and I don't want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I'm out. But see, I got too many friends that would go. Yeah, can I call this person, this person, this person, and this person? Because they would all want to come with. And we'd have 20 canoes uh, going through Central Park. That would be our problem. Uh, the hitch emerged on the daylight recon, because, of course, they had to go check it out first. The conservatory water had none. It was a basin of mud, apparently drained for maintenance. So they substituted it, a stream, uh, substituted the lock a stream that descends from the pool under a stone arch. He produced photocopies of old maps showing what used to be called Montaigne's Rivulet, originating on West 101st Street. So they decided, okay, you know, we'll each get a boat, we'll each paddle across, we'll have a, a great old time. Each boat weight less than 20 pounds, Lightness proved uh, helpful for both in forestalling fatigue during long overland stretches and in facilitating the pair's most triumphant moment, scaling the hundred plus feet schist, schist up the castle, up to the castle with canoes perched on the shoulders and stumbling only briefly near the top. Nearby in the castle's courtyard, there were a different sort of blur emanating from the toy lightsabers of Star Wars reenactors <laughs> who paid the invaders no mind. Could you imagine showing up at this historic castle in New York and there's all these Star Wars so <laughs> reenactors? See all these Star Wars reenactors having uh, laser sword fights and then these two guys portage through. Portage a couple of news, right? <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> So uh, they were doing them, five down, two to go, putting it in on the north end of the lake under the bow bridge. They soon drifted. Uh, pedestrians were scarcer. Scores of ducks registered annoyance at the invasion of their accustomed privacy. Still no signs of cops. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> we flattered ourselves that the authorities were going to care. <laughs> Midnight approached as they launched into the pond. The proximity of the skyscrapers crested, uh, created what King called a Grand Canyon effect from water level. And that'd be cool. That would. Just sitting down there imagine? and looking at I mean, I've paddled with Alan Drummond out in uh, the kayaks out in Toronto Harbor. Yeah. At night, and when you look up and you see all the lights and way, up, could yeah. you imagine being right in the middle know, of that? I know, It'd be incredible. Uh, sheer rock face. They said it looked like it had been three hours since they began. Neither captain was quite ready to relinquish his ship. Surely nobody had ever done this before, and they wanted to bask in the moment. After a few victory laps, some flash-enabled selfies, the two disembarked and hugged. King hailed a taxi to retrieve his car from Harlem, while Maroney waited with the canoes on Fifth Avenue. <laughs> and so unless cool. somebody said something, yeah. nobody would have known it even happened. I know, right? Yeah. But how cool. Yeah. So, how many big things of water are there in Toronto? <laughs> that's, that's all I'm wondering now. That's all I am wondering now. <laughs> this guy's my hero now. I, I, I like that. That was, that was pretty cool. A um, little bit farther down here, a little bit farther down in the, that's, that eastern 
seaboard. Can big ships and little kayaks both use the Delaware in Philly? There's a battle oh, of brewing. So this, I, I, I bring this one up because I don't, re- I guess I, it's either the terms or whatnot. I, I just didn't realize. Um, and some of the ins and outs and there's a whole bunch of political stuff that I read through and I'm just not getting into. Yeah. Groups have worked for years to try to change the designation of a 25, a 27-mile stretch of the Delaware River in Philly to what's known as primary contact. So the Delaware River flows undammed for 330 miles from New York to Cape May, uh, is that New Jersey? For nearly the entire length, 330 miles, that people can... Swim, tube, paddleboard, jet ski, kayak, canoe, except where it runs through Philadelphia. Environmental groups have worked for years to try and change a designation of a 27-mile stretch between Tacony Palmyra and Commodore Barry Bridges. And that's like right downtown. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Uh, people, can, they want you know people to be using it for non-motorized recreation. At issue is who gets to use the Delaware River in Philly, and what level of pollution is allowable. Uh, the the debate involves the port industry, environmental groups, Philadelphia Water Department, and the Philadelphia City Council. Now, in December, a letter to City Council, the Maritime Exchange for the Delaware River and Bay, a nonprofit trade association port business advocate, pushed back against a change in the river's designation, citing safety concerns. Currently, the river is designated for secondary contact, which can include rowing, power boating, and fishing. Hmm. And and there, there's a bit of a, a part that I didn't understand because. When they get into the Clean Water Act with it all and, you know, environmental groups want to change it to what is known as primary contact under the Clean Water Act, which means people can use it for recreation. That includes direct touching, splashing, and emerging without getting sick from water contamination. So, yeah. So the secondary contact, you can row, powerboat, fish, swim. Primary contact, change it to what's known as primary contact under yeah. the Clean Water Act. It is kind of confusing, isn't it? So, okay, so secondary contact, it's just rowing, powerboating, fishing. Primary contact means that you can directly touch the water. And so if you designated primary contact, then certain rules come into play about uh, water contamination. I guess with what, the paddleboard and the kayaking, they're thinking you're going to go in. Yeah. Because that, you're not allowed to do that, mm-hmm. but you can paddle. Yeah. Like a, a canoe or a boat. So I guess hmm. those you aren't going in, apparently. So if you change the uh, designation, it means that factories are going right. to clean up their act and the river is going to have to become cleaner. And- which is which is cool. Um, I can see the side that the city's taking where they're saying, you got big boats coming through here. You're going to get run over. And if they don't see somebody, um, you know, there is going to be a problem. So there was a one of the Philadelphia City Council... You know, they hadn't taken a public stand and they said, uh, you know, uh, they wrote their own letter calling for to open the river to all environmental groups. You know, Fear Losing Rivers Clean Water Act jumped on the support for the council. 
Further complicating matters is the water, Philadelphia Water Department, which not only draws drinking water from the river, but is also one of the biggest polluters of its aging sewer system. I hope they pull the water so, upstream then with it. That's, that's what you're looking like. Okay, wait a minute. You don't want them in it, but you're going to let them drink it? <laughs> so... Uh, I think what industry and maritime exchange is trying to assert is that if you recognize a river for primary contact designation and give it the appropriate protection, more people will enjoy the river. Uh, and the maritime exchange doesn't want to see that. They believe the river belongs to them and not the people. Well, there you go. Right. So it's a he said, she says. Uh, renewed debate stems from the petition. Uh, the Delaware Riverkeeper Network and host of environmental groups uh, the river user sent the Delaware River Basin Commission in 2020 saying the river is much cleaner than in decades past and should be protected by a primary contact swimmable designation. About 60% of the city is covered by an older combina- combined sewer system, which seem- means a single pipe carries both stormwater and sewage from streets, houses, businesses directly to a wastewater treatment plant. The system works fine during dry weather. However, during big storms, the combined system is overloaded, sending sewage and stormwater into rivers and creeks. So basically, they don't want to spend the money for upkeep of the infrastructure. So if if nobody's in the river, then we just let it keep going to the river. (laughs) Yes. Right? So there's a whole thing. Now, that, that I don't agree with. You know what? Fix your problem, especially yes. if you're drawing your drinking water from there. No, it's an expensive problem to fix. Oh, it definitely and that's, is. And that's where the cities have a hard time. It's like, do we spend the you know one and a half billion dollars to upgrade our water treatment plants and so on? It's like eh, it's, I want to say I saw like a thirty-eight point five million price tag somewhere. That's it. Yeah, I can't that's remember small. where I saw that, but yeah. So the maritime industry worries it would lead to more recreational users in shipping lanes and around ports. Saying the main concern, and, and Lisa Himber, president of Maritime Exchange, says the main concern is safety. The secondary concern is security. Oh. Right? Which, yeah. I mean, I fully agree with that. She cited the July 2010 accident when a barge pushed a tugboat, pushed by a tugboat, struck a duck boat stranded in the Delaware River off Penn's Landing after an engine fire. Two tourists died. It was later discovered that the crew member in charge of operating the tugboat was talking on a cell phone with relatives about a family emergency. His view of the barge significantly blocked. And although she knows there is no other serious accidents following that, she's heard about near misses. Uh, basically it's going to be a whole thing, but you got to start keeping that river clean. You got to update your thing so that, yeah, if you got downtown Philadelphia, you got all that area to let people go and enjoy it. And they can't. And they can't. Mm -hmm. Like you got all the paddlers that want to get out there, the paddle boarders, the kayakers, let them get out there and, and use it, fix it up. Um... Philadelphia Water Department did a study, but says it's not intended to prevent or encourage any form of recreation. And recreational uses on local waterways are not regulated by the Philadelphia Water Department. 
The statement does, however, note that stretch of river has never been approved for water contact sports under Pennsylvania water <laughs> quality standards because of combined sewer overflows and commercial shipping hazards. Uh, David Mazer is the executive director of the Penn Environment and believes the water department is using safety as an issue to distract from the pollution it generates. There you go. Mm, you sounds like. <laughs> uh, if you raise the level to recreational use, then the water department will have to make it so people won't get sick from all the raw sewage from the pipes oh, in your homes do that. and the polluted runoff from our streets that go untreated into the river after the storms. You're going to have to deal with the massive pollution issues of the combined sewer overflows. And what gets me is all that stuff that's going in at Philadelphia is now going down the river. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's spreading pollution a long distance. Yeah. You know, like you got to stop at some point. So hopefully they get their act together, can start putting plans into effect, and eventually the kayakers and stand up paddleboarders and. <laughs> All of them can have be free fun down enjoy in the water. Philadelphia. So, yeah. That's all I got this week. That was an interesting story, though. Yeah. It was... Uh, just I want to go to Central Park. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm on my... Who wants to go? I've always wanted to go to New York City. Yeah? Do we know anybody there? I don't. We should get to know somebody there. <laughs> but only if they've got canoes. <laughs> and don't mind being chased by cops. Well, you just bring them with you. Yeah. It would be fun, though. It would be. Do a tour of Central Park by boat. At middle of night. <laughs> with all the lights around. <laughs> the muggers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I got mugged. What do you take? My boat. <laughs> you, you, you what? You what? <laughs> You're from Canada, aren't you? <laughs> yes, eh? Ah, <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. You got yeah, anything else? That's all I got. You're maybe not here next week. You're not. No, here hopefully week. I'm going to be subbed out in, uh, and we're going to sub in Alan, just because yeah. I'm I've got some. I'm going to be busy moving next week. <sighs> Got, awesome. a full, got a full plate. Got a we're supposed to be on uh, CW Gets uh, Camping Show on next Wednesday, Wednesday yeah. live and in person. How exciting is that? Do, do, do. We'll post uh, links, links and yeah. everything where people can watch us live mm-hmm. in person. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All righty. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing uh, Alan here next weekend. Maybe he'll bring beer. Maybe. Funky beers. From his side of the city. <laughs> yeah. That's why I like Alan showing up here once in a while. Well, it's nice when different people show up and bring booze. Different booze. Different <laughs> booze. Yeah. Different booze's. Is it, yeah, Fancy it's, booze. It's nice to try the different microbrews that come from different areas you know, around the GTA. There's so yeah. many microbreweries. So you get to sip on a nice beer that's from an area that would normally be able to have a beer from. Yeah. And it's not gluten-free, organic, or kosher. <laughs> You'll never let that down. Will you? I will never let you live that down. <laughs> I'm having that engraved on your tombstone. I'm going to bury you with one of those bottles. <laughs> well, is, you have want to place anything in Derek's casket? <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> just run home. I've been saving this. Uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
You can download or stream our episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. Go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can uh, download or stream all our episodes there. Uh, just a little note when it comes to iTunes, we've had a couple of people mention that for some reason they have problems listening to it on iTunes yeah. now over the last couple of months. And um, Alan actually had said, I listened to 20 minutes of it the other day and then I went back to listen to the rest and it says it's not there. Hmm. Uh, that moved it. Yeah. yeah. So don't go to iHeart. We're just messing with you, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> we knew you were there for everybody else. I'll learn you not to listen to it in all in one go. Yeah. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends, family, and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. Yeah.